Okay, welcome to the latest edition of Match Chats on Leadership. Great to be with you once again. This is the start of the third season of Match Chats on Leadership. I'm the Executive Director of Alignment Leadership and really pleased to be with you here today. And uh, our guest, uh, Dr. Shelley Odronic from Mercy Health St. Rita's Medical Center. And we're just so pleased to have Shelley here. Ironically, we're also uh, presented by Mercy Health uh, St. Rita's Medical Center, and uh, more on that as we go forward here today. But I wanted to welcome this very table and this very podcast. Uh, it's great to have you with us. It's Dr. Shelley, everybody. Uh, good afternoon, Dr. Shelley. Thanks for having me so much. Excited to be here. Yes, indeed, indeed. So um, if you would, just tell our audience uh, just briefly uh, your title at, uh, at St. Rita's and uh, the position that you hold. So I am a clinical and anatomic pathologist. Um, I'm also head of microbiology here. Um, and then we actually work in addition to St. Rita's, we work at seven area hospitals um, in the region. So not just in Allen County, but also in surrounding counties. Well, you've, you know, in most years you would be busy, but I'm guessing uh, very, very busy here in the last uh, couple of years. And we thank you for your service. Um, so listen, let's uh, let's start with uh, just kind of uh, the the basics uh, from a pathway standpoint. Uh, your education and and what led you to uh, where you are today. Well, I always wanted to understand exactly how things work in the body, and uh, you know I often say this started in high school, um, taking physiology class, but I actually think it was much younger. Um, my mom was always really interested in nutrition, and she would give me food and tell me exactly what it's doing in the body. So she'd say, here's some carrots. They have vitamin A. Vitamin A helps you see in the dark. <laughs> and she would also always give me all these books about the body and how it works. And I remember one about a little boy who uh, got an infection of some kind, and there was like this battle between the, the microbes and the um, – and the white blood cells and it just it made being sick seem like this epic battle that was just so cool to a little kid and so i think that really sparked an interest um and then i went in high school i went to ohio state university to visit an anatomy lab one day and i think that just kind of sealed the deal like i knew i needed to do something medical um so despite my entire family going to ohio state university and Growing up five minutes from Ohio State University, I chose to go to University of Michigan, oh. <laughs> which I'm actually allowed to say now because we just won that football game. That is you know? true. So now, I'm now allowed to you know, say that uh, proudly. But anyway, so well after University of Michigan, <laughs> I, uh, I worked at Duke University where I did some research and I tried to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And it was there that I... I met my first mentors that were physicians, and they really encouraged me to go to medical school. So I went to University of Texas for medical school, wow. and then I came back to Ohio. You know, a funny thing happens when you leave your family in Ohio, you start to miss your family in yeah. Ohio. So I came back, and I did my residency and training at the Cleveland Clinic. Wow. Well, those are prestigious all, uh, you know, Duke and uh, Texas, uh, University of Texas in Austin, and and to go to the University of Michigan. And you can indeed talk about the University of Michigan now uh, as they have uh, broke the string and beat Ohio State. There, I couldn't believe how many sad friends that I had. And 
we always ask all the class members where, you know, where they're from and give us a little bit about your background. And I bet this year's class has, you know, maybe over out of 33, maybe over a third that went to the Ohio State University. So on Friday, uh, we're taping this uh, on December 8th. On Friday, I'm going to be with them. So I'll be able to razz them a little bit about uh, what uh, what happened last Saturday. So. Uh, that's great to hear. Uh, you know, which uh, if if you had to, which campus would you live on uh, if you could for you know just like one year go back to? <laughs> you can't ask me that. <laughs> Why? I mean, I'm gonna get like egged after this. Um, so I mean, I I enjoyed my time in undergrad. I enjoyed Michigan. Um, you know, it was my first time away from home, so to speak. So I think that kind of has a special place in my heart. Yeah, very good. Isn't there a very famous deli there? I hate to put you on the spot, but uh, yeah, they just Zinger- yeah. What say it again? I think it's called Zingerman. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they just did a great special on it uh, on TV the other day. So, well, very good. good. I I would choose, well, you know, I used to live in Dallas, so uh, Austin would be very good. But I think I would choose Durham uh, in North Carolina if uh, that was my choice. So, not my choice. Uh, All right. So, well, you kind of, you know, my next question was kind of the, you know, why healthcare for you? You you touched on it there a bit, uh, but, uh, you know, how, how do you feel about why healthcare for you? And then what's the impact today? There's so many things that we now know that we didn't know so long ago, but the impact of healthcare and what we're doing here in the 21st century for the American public. Yeah. So, um, I think, you know, although I was doing research at Duke, which sort of, um, satisfied my questioning mind, my inquisitive nature, I felt like something was really missing because I wanted faster and more direct impact on patients. And so now in my current role, I get that. And it's an honor to be part of of people's lives every single day, even if they don't know who I am, which we'll get to. But um, but I do, I, I feel like that's sort of what led me ultimately to, to medicine and to being a doctor. Um, as far as, you know, the more general, um, yeah, healthcare education is, is critical for the American public. And, you know, it, it really is how we empower individuals and the community with information that helps them live live their lives healthy and um it it definitely improves the economy um by reducing healthcare spending and lost productivity due to preventable diseases so at a time right now when we have a pandemic and with increasing drug use and with the mental health crisis i mean our nation needs education right now more than ever on health and there's just a flood of information coming uh, at people so fast through through social media, and and people really need to decipher what's what's true and what's not. And I think a, a large part of the way to do that is to have this basic understanding of, of health principles. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's Match Chats on Leadership visiting with Dr. Shelley Odronic from Mercy Health, and we welcome you to the third season of Match Chats on Leadership. And uh, we're really pleased to have Dr. Shelley with us today. Uh, you mentioned the pandemic. Uh, we just can't seem to get away from it, unfortunately. And uh, when we thought we were kind of in uh, a really good spot uh, summer of 2021, um, we're now finding ourselves with some variants and those type of things. But um, it's been unprecedented times. How would you describe the last 20 months or so uh, in, in your chair and all around the uh, hospital organization? 
Yeah. So I think prior to the pandemic, you know, a lot of people don't give too much thought to pathologists. Mm. (laughs) Um, Although we go to medical school, we do not see patients. Um, And so I think a lot of people don't even know we exist. Mm. And uh, we're we're the ones that are working behind the scenes uh, to diagnose disease. So anytime you have blood taken or a biopsy or a surgery, the the specimens are sent to, to a pathologist. Um, and so usually people take a test, they get a result, they take that at face value, they move on, they don't really think too much about it. Um, so in some ways, I don't know, we're kind of seen as the, the quirky scientists yeah. of the medical world. Um, and, you know, we, the, the stereotypical pathologist is, is hiding in the basement and uh, sort of tinkering in the laboratory and, you know, dictating these, these uh, reports with fancy big words. Um, and, you know, prior to the pandemic, the introvert in me was perfectly happy. It was just me and my microscope. Um, but, you know, everything changed suddenly. Oh. And uh, as I mentioned, I'm head of microbiology at St. Rita's. And so I oversee all infectious disease testing and I'm a consultant for other healthcare providers. Um, and I remember, you know, when this started, I was watching China and Italy and I had this this intense feeling. And I remember it was, it was, I had to be very deliberate. I had a choice. I I could put myself out there or I could wait for people to come to me. And I realized that with my training and with my knowledge on testing, I felt like I had to help and I had some information that I had to share. So I had to push myself out of my comfort zone and be proactive and try and get ahead of this. And I remember I was I was hoping for the best, obviously, but I immediately started preparing for the worst. And, you know, everybody had questions about testing. But everybody here at the hospital was was informing me that the response locally was going to be dependent on if we could identify who has COVID um, and try to stop the spread and put them on the right floor of the hospital and things like that. And then the public had questions about COVID. I mean, it was on the nightly news, words like nasal swabs and PCR testing. I yeah. mean, everything everywhere was just testing, 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 which you know has always been my world, but I'm not used to it being everybody's world. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, I was out of the basement basically at that point. Mm. <laughs> and so there, there's no doubt that COVID has, has totally changed healthcare. And I think it's led to a lot of improvements that benefit um, not just our pan- pandemic response, but just our care for patients in general. I think everyone learned how to, how to organize fast, think outside the box, and, and maybe most importantly, embrace change and be flexible. Um, you know, within healthcare, I think before the pandemic, we were starting to form our little silos um, but the pandemic really required a multidisciplinary coordination in order to overcome these these challenges. Mm. And so I think we, we immediately strengthened communication both within the lab and then between the lab and administration, between the lab and all other departments in the hospital. And um, we also learned how fragile the system is. Um, you know, the supply chain issues we had, the staffing issues, to have a, a single infectious disease take up a third of our beds in the hospital was just completely unheard of. I mean, this is on top of all the normal heart attacks and strokes and cancer and car accidents. And, you know, at some of our our smaller hospitals, half of the patients in the hospital um, are are COVID patients. Hmm. Um, And so the strain has just been enormous. Yeah. Uh, Visiting with Dr. Shelley O'Dronick, the the idea of 
you know, what we're in and, and you know, how, how we're kind of processing this as we go. Uh, what are some of the, the curveballs that you've been thrown, that have been thrown your way? Um, and, and how are you handling those? You just mentioned that, you know, you were overrun with your, you know, your capacity, uh, that people were, you know, having to do, you know, double and triple duty, whatever those things were taking, uh, you all were doing that. Uh, what, what kind of curveballs do you see and, and did you see and th- that you're still seeing that uh, have impacted what your world looks like? Yeah, well, I mean, the first challenge in the beginning was we didn't even have a test available. We had to, we were completely dependent on um, the Ohio Department of Health and the, the CDC. So we had no testing, um, uh, no testing available in-house and minimal guidelines in the beginning. And then the next challenge that came, you know, not too long after that was the market just got flooded with tests. And some of these tests were were not good. They were bad tests. And I think this caused a ton of confusion for the public, for physicians. And, you know, normally we, we, we take our time, we compare our tests to our gold standard. Well, there wasn't a gold standard. I mean, this, this was a virus that had only been around for a few months. I mean, we were, we were literally inventing the standard as we went along. And so it really relied on using expertise and judgment to sort through all this information and try to figure out which test um, is, is useful and which test is, is worth having. So, you know, my main goal through all of this um, obviously was to get everybody a test that is accurate and fast Mm. and that just wasn't possible it wasn't possible and you know it was it was due to supply chain issues um there was just an an extraordinary unprecedented strain on the entire supply chain and we 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 just started experiencing shortages some of which you know we we still experience and so people had to wait to get their test results and and sometimes in that first surge they were waiting you know, nine days, unfortunately, mm. in Allen County to get that test result, which, you know, that result matters a lot less after nine days <laughs> um, when you feel better. So, um, so, so much was out of my control, but I think I had to focus on what was in my control. And so I worked really hard to get really imaginative and try to figure out ways that I can, I can try to increase tests. And I was very aggressive with trying to secure supplies and trying to conserve our current supplies for the patient's that really needed it the most, that were mm. the sickest. Yeah. Uh, and so I, the, my approach was basically three prongs. So one, I tried to increase the testing I could in, in our walls, in-house, in St. Rita's, but that was, was very limited. The second thing was that I tried to bring up multiple different platforms um, for by different manufacturers. And so that meant if one manufacturer ran out of test kits, I could pivot and start using the other manufacturer. And even still to this day, you know, we have um, five platforms that we use. Um, and then the third thing I did was I established partnerships with multiple reference labs. Normally we would use one reference lab mainly, but um, that way when one reference lab got too slow, I could just switch to another reference lab. So it was constantly changing our, our algorithm. And you know, it, it's a, it's a, a huge uh, undertaking to bring up multiple tests for, for one you know, infectious disease. I mean, that's just unheard of because every time we bring in a new machine, it undergoes extensive validation and verification. And, and there's a huge expense to that um, mm. before it's used for, for patient care. And, um, 
but it was absolutely necessary. And like I said, we're still using all of these platforms and, you know, we have to be flexible and, and pivot. And, um, and I think that's really helped us through the pandemic, but I had to be very aggressive <laughs> to make that happen. And, and it was, um, and like I said, it was really preparing for the, for the worst. Yeah. It felt like, uh, in a lot of cases that, uh, whether it was states or municipalities uh, or organizations, everybody was kind of on their own, just kind of doing what you were doing. And uh, you might have been competing even against, you know, folks that were just down the road, so to speak, you know, uh, in Indiana or in Kentucky or Michigan. So, um, well, kudos to you on really trying to do uh, all that you could from your chair. Um, All right. What's the best way to get out of this pandemic? Um. Well, I think we need to keep doing the things that work for all infectious diseases. So stay home when you're sick, get tested, wash your hands. Um, You know, we have a a safe and effective vaccine for those who want the vaccine. And there's been over 200 million people in the U.S. that have opted to get the vaccine and 4 billion people in the world who have uh, chosen to do so. So, you know, we're learning every day about this virus and gaining a better understanding of the immune response. And we're starting to get some some new patient management options that are coming down the pipeline. I don't necessarily think there's a way out, though. I think we are, you know, we're on a, a journey. And, and, you know, this is what vi- viruses do. And, um, you know, they, as long as it's been around, um, we... It, it's a it's constantly uh, mutating and so it's the target has always changed and so um, I think as long as there's susceptible hosts it's going to continue to to mutate I think the future of this pandemic really depends on on three things and that's the virus and how it mutates um, the host and how susceptible we are and then the community what's our behavior and how, how what does transmission look like and so it's a it's a really complex interplay between those three things. And you know, virologists have predictions uh, for the future, but ultimately, I think time will tell. And it's important to remember that you know this is a global pandemic, and and we're in it together. And the world is is so connected. And the future of this really depends on all of our efforts. And and I know that there's there's COVID fatigue, absolutely. Um, we are, you know, especially in healthcare, overworked and burnt out. And, yeah. you know, we've been living this every day for, for, you know, almost, almost two almost years. Two year. yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. So, and we're not done, done yet. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're very much in the middle of, of this long and trying surge right now in Allen County. And, you know, with over 5 million people that have died worldwide, uh, you know, this is a lot of devastation for a lot of families, and I think we owe it to them to keep working and keep sharing our reality and our knowledge. And so that's what we're going to do: take it one day at a time and do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, very good. So you you, you indicated that uh, you know you indicated a number of things there. You mentioned three pieces of that puzzle. Um, just looking from the ground floor, that uh, you know, looking at Allen County, Allen County is like right at forty percent. Uh, vaccinated. Uh, so that means that, you know, not even half vaccinated. So that was one of your keys. Um, <clears throat> uh, I just go off the board for a second here and just say, you know, what, uh, why this, why this vaccine that's, you know, there's, 
you know, uh, military folks who have to get vaccinated all the time to participate. Um, all of us have gotten all of those, you know, or mo- most of us have gotten, the vast majority of us have gotten all of those vaccinations that we've gotten over the years. Why this one just being resisted? Yeah, well, I think there's there's a lot of misconceptions about it. I, I think people think this is the first time, you know, an mRNA vaccine has been um, has been given, uh, which is true. But this technology has been around for decades, and you know, it's going to revolutionize uh, cancer therapy. I mean, it's it's coming down the pipeline. I think it'll probably be the future of all vaccines. Um, it really is. Um, scientifically speaking, without getting too technical, I mean, it's a very pure vaccine that is easy to manufacture. That's how we were able to get it so quickly. And, um, and, and it, it's just, it's very clean scientifically. So um, I think, I think people still think it's new and, um, and they're, they're nervous about that, which is why I point out how many people have been vaccinated now, because, you know, a lot of us have been vaccinated a year ago. And, you know, and, and so I think more and more people get comfortable as time goes on. Um, and as, um, as, as we learn more and more about it, but you know, there's, there's no doubt that the vaccine is going to be, uh, or has been a game changer. I mean, most of our patients in the hospital are unvaccinated. Um, and it, it definitely, you know, may not be perfect. There's going to be breakthroughs and, you know, efficacy is not going to be a hundred percent. We know it went down with Delta. It's probably going to go down with Omicron. I think, you know, but it's still going to have some efficacy and, you know, just, just like a seatbelt, it doesn't save everybody's life in a car accident, you know, but it helps. And so I think it's just one of the tools that is helpful. And, and so, you know, everybody, um, you know, I, I would encourage those listening to, you know, talk to your doctor about it, reach out. And, and I think we're, we're getting more and more information about it because at this point it's been around for, for, you know, about a year and a half. Yes, yes, uh, for sure. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Dr. Shelley Odronik uh, from Mercy Health, uh, joining us here on Match Chats on Leadership. Great to have her with us. Just you know, a valuable lesson on what we've been through the last 20 months. Um, how would you describe? Uh, let's go into your uh, from a leadership standpoint. Let's go into your your world and in, in, at Mercy, and how would you describe the work culture uh, that you're living around? Yeah, well, healthcare tends to attract uh, caring people, and I think St. Rita's is, is no exception. Um, the people that work here are very dedicated, and they've proven that they're very hardworking. And, uh, you know, our, our employees, our staff, they have been tested by this pandemic, believe me. And uh, there are so many unknowns and so much pressure that the amount of stress that people are under every day is is immense and people are are being put in roles that they're not used to being in and um you know despite all of that uh there's this overarching focus on teamwork and this employee contributions that i think has really helped us weather the storm so um i think keeping that sort of mission in mind and that we're all in this together i've definitely seen employees you know, breaking down and then coworkers stepping up and helping them and being like, I, I'll take over now for a little bit. You go take a break. I mean, that's just the sort of teamwork um, atmosphere that that we we see. And, and it, it's it's amazing. And, and that has helped our culture stay positive in, in sort of a, a dark time. Yeah, very, very good. Uh, thank you. Uh, well, why don't we share a few stories about some of those folks, your coworkers, some of those heroes that you work side by side with on a daily basis? 
Yeah, well, I think the the administration at St. Rita's, led by Rhonda Lehman, has has been truly outstanding. Um, she she's been able to lead with this this calmness, um, it, with a lot of uncertainty, and 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 she continues to unite us even in very divisive times. Um, and you know, although we're part of this larger system, this large hospital system, she's always maintained her approachability and her open communication. She sends emails weekly to all the employees here, and I think that really helps people feel supported and appreciated. Mm-hmm. And I think the culture that we just talked about, you know, that really does come from leadership, and I think it trickles down from administration to managers to various departments and. Uh, we have a the COVID response here at the hospital is a, a team of, of people that, that meet every single day. Mm. And we talk about all the new developments that have happened in the past 24 hours. And we identify and we overcome the obstacles. And then we disseminate all of that information um, through our, our individual departments. And Rhonda Lehman is, is the, usually the last one to speak at that meeting. And I think she really sets sets the tone for the day. And so I, she's been really gifted in her in her leadership. Um, and then the techs in the lab are heroes every single day. Mm. Um, they've been working selflessly with significantly increased volume and major staffing shortages. Um, and so sort of similar to pathologists, I think medical laboratory technologists are they're behind the scenes and they're touching each and every specimen and they're so critical to patient care yet they're often not recognized. Yeah. Yeah. The heroes behind the scenes for sure. Um, from a leadership standpoint, uh, what's the best way that you feel like you, you've mentioned a number of these things, but what's the best way to lead in a crisis? So ha- have you heard the ancient parable about the three bricklayers? Mm, yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay, so there's this, for, for those listening that don't know, there's this ancient parable about three bricklayers that worked to rebuild, I think it was St. Paul's Cathedral, after the London fire in the 1600s. So um, the story goes that there was a traveler who happened upon three bricklayers, and one was crouched over, one was kneeling, and one was standing tall. And the traveler approached the one that was crouched over and said, you know, what are you doing? And the bricklayer said, I'm laying bricks so I can have money for food for my family tonight. And then he, the traveler went to the second bricklayer and asked, you know, what are you doing? And he said, I'm, I'm a bricklayer. I'm building a wall. And then finally, the traveler went to the third bricklayer, the one that's standing tall and working the fastest and said, what are you doing? And he responds, I'm building a cathedral for the almighty. And, you know, I think the story is interesting because there's three bricklayers. They all have the same occupation. They all, um, you know, do the same thing, but their view is, is so different. Um, and they have completely different perspectives. And to me, um, this illustrates the importance of seeing the big picture and mm-hmm. really understanding your purpose. And I think that's how I've been able to keep going. And that's how I've been able to motivate others around me on my team is, is I've realized there's something bigger here and we're each playing our small role, but together, you know, we have a, a mission that's clear, keep residents healthy in Allen County. I mean, that's our, our goal. And, um, and so I think, you know, no matter what 
role you play or what you do, I think having that ability to connect it to the bigger picture and find meaning really helps you overcome challenges and difficulties as they arise. So that's sort of my approach. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. It's funny. I, I share different, uh, uh, articles. I share, share different uh, lessons from leadership with my classes and with folks that are in my orbit. And one of the last ones that I shared was a column from the New York Times, Adam Bryant. He was interviewing uh, the uh, former uh, CEO of Boeing and Ford. And the headline of that uh, column was uh, planes, cars, and cathedrals, because he used the cathedral uh, conversation that you just shared. So that's awesome. I uh, really appreciate that. Um, uh, I, I want to ask you if somebody, before I get to what you do for recreation, uh, if some someone's, you know, uh, looking to chart their path, uh, and it may be somebody in, in uh, high school right now uh, that we would share this with, with our youth classes, um, what would you say to them if they wanted to get to where you are today, or maybe in some form of where you are today as a doctor, what would you recommend? Well, I think I've been very fortunate to have great mentors and, you know, nobody in my family was, was a doctor. And, you know, even though I think my mom in her mind was sort of a scientist, you know, she, she was a stay at home mom. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, I, I really didn't, didn't know what was out there. So I think going out to hospitals, meeting people that are in the field and just, just talking to them and having conversations with them is so important. And then taking time to, to realize what you want. I mean, I took time to figure out because I thought, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to be a, a doctor, you know, but, but then once I started really learning about it and I, you know, I, then I was like, you know what, I actually, I think this is what I want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it just takes, time and I think the right people are so instrumental and I think most of us that that are our mentors now we had great mentors and and we really owe it to them where we are so I would say get out there connect meet people um it's so critical yeah one of the great uh leadership lessons is uh find a mentor and uh you know and we're not all you know I, I was very lucky from a parental standpoint as well and from a family unit that uh, was really great to, from a leadership standpoint that kind of gave you that confidence and gave you the ability to, to go do and chart your path. So that's great advice. Uh, Dr. Shelley Odronic with us here from Mercy Health, uh, talking on leadership and talking about uh, her role in uh, how we are at least managing what we're doing today in uh, really some unprecedented times with the pandemic that uh, is still upon us. Uh, all right, so uh, you do all these things. You're, you know, engaged so heavily at work on a regular basis. Uh, give us just a little bit of what uh, Dr. Shelley likes to do for fun and how you kind of escape this occasionally. Yeah, well, I think it's really important to take time to step away. And, you know, it's, with so much information coming out there all the time, it's like constantly drinking from a fire hose. And I, I, you have to take breaks and everybody has to take breaks. And so that's exactly what I do. I put everything away and I totally unplug and I don't do any email. I don't do any computer. It's just me with my family and we go walking or biking or playing games. I have a three and a five-year-old 
Um, and during when I'm on one of these break weekends, you know, nobody's allowed to even mention COVID mm. <laughs> because I am completely on a mental break. And I think that's necessary. And I think that's my rejuvenation. And then I'm able to come back and be like, okay, I'm back on. But I think that you, you know, you, it, it's very deliberate. You have to plan these things. Otherwise, you know, I, I would just let COVID entirely consume my life. And so I think it's very important um, to, to take those breaks and whatever you do. And when you come back to it, you're so much more energized and you see things from even a better perspective. And sometimes you think of great ideas because you took that break. Yeah. Yeah. That's really well said. I, it's so hard for us today where, you know, the phones are in our hands and you go to restaurants or you'll go to somewhere and you just see it. It's, it's omnipresent, uh, and they're little computers. So you're able to just kind of do what you do. And I find that with adults as well as with uh, with children. So good for you for unplugging and putting yourself in a really good mental state. Um, this is uh, Match Chats on Leadership. We're presented by Mercy Health St. Rita's. Uh, I did want to read uh, just this one piece uh, from Mercy Health that was just recognized in November of this year where Mercy Hospitals uh, across Ohio um, Uh, were awarded A grades in the fall from Leapfrog Hospital Safety Grade, a national distinction recognizing these hospitals' achievements providing safer health care. And that's Mercy Health St. Rita's in Lima and Mercy Health all around our area, including Tiffin and Defiance uh, and Toledo earning A grades. So congratulations on all of that because that's really what's so important to uh, the folks and the consumers, I, you wouldn't call them consumers, but those are uh, your your patients and the folks that come through your world. So uh, congratulations to Mercy on that. Uh, Dr. Shelley Odronic, it's been a pleasure being with you today. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule today, sharing some leadership concepts and really sharing what you do, which is so vital to us. Thanks for taking good care of our community. And uh, we look forward to uh, having you on in the near future. Checking back, hopefully, uh, as I say to your colleague occasionally, Dr. Matt Owens, I always say, uh, this is a nine-inning ball game, Matt. What inning are we in? And sometimes he, sometimes it was the seventh and eighth inning, and then sometimes it's the fourth or fifth inning that uh, when he and he kind of puts his head down when he when he talks to me and says the fourth or fifth inning. But uh, he's been a great uh, guide uh, and and a, an alumni from all that really was helpful to me with our classes and what we should be doing and how we protect ourselves and our students and, and uh, all of the good folks that come through all. So thank you for what you're doing and, and uh, to you and your colleagues at Mercy. Keep doing what you're doing and uh, we're glad you're out of the shadows a little bit, out of the basement and uh, coming up and uh, sharing your stories with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure indeed. Uh, And that's uh, the uh, first edition of the third season of Match Chats on Leadership. Uh, Great to be with you. We'll be back with you uh, in January with more on Match Chats from Leadership. Uh, Visit our homepage at uh, alalimaleadership.com. You can check out this podcast and many others, uh, along with all the good things happening at Allen Lima Leadership. For all of us at all, it's uh, Matt Childers signing off from Match Chats on Leadership. Have a great holiday, everybody. Recording stopped.